at once. As far as angels ken, he views the dismal situation waste and wild, a dungeon horrible. On all sides round, as one great furnace flamed, yet from those flames no light, but rather darkness visible, served only to discover sights of woe, regions of sorrow, doleful shades where peace and rest can never dwell, hope never comes that comes to all, but torture without end still urges, and a fiery deluge, fed with ever-burning sulphur unconsumed. Such place eternal justice had prepared for those rebellious, here the prison ordained in utter darkness, and the apportioned set, as far removed from God and the light of heaven, as from the centre Thrice to that most pole, oh, how unlike the place from whence they fell. There the companions of his hall, o'erwhelmed with floods and whirlwinds of tempestuous fire, he soon discerns, and weltering by his side, one next himself in power, and next in crime. Long after known in Palestine and named Beelzebub, to whom thou enemy, and hence in heaven called Satan, with bold words breaking the horrid silence, thus began. To be or not to be? That is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune or to take arms against a sea of troubles and, by opposing, end them. To die, to sleep, no more. And by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. For in that sleep of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause. There's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time? The oppressor's wrong, the proud man's contumely, the pangs of despised love, the law's delay, the insolence of office, and the spurns that patient merit of the unworthy takes, when he himself might his quietus make with a bare bodkin. Who would these fardels bear, to grunt and sweat under a weary life, but the dread of something after death, the undiscovered country from whose born no traveller returns, puzzles the will, and makes us rather bear those ills we have, than fly to others that we know not of? Thus conscience does make cowards of us all, and thus the native hue of resolution is sicklied o'er with the pale cast of thought, and enterprises of great pith and moment with disregard their currents turn awry and lose the name of action.
Welcome, lovely listeners. Hello. Welcome around the virtual campfire. You are listening to Frithcast. You are not listening to the Milton and Shakespeare Appreciation Society podcast. (laughs) Before we get going on episode 129, we would just like to say a special welcome to all our lovely listeners around the world. Settle in. Warm your knees. Grab a drink of choice. Grab a biscuit from the biscuit tin as it zooms round, or a treat of choice. I mean, there's always options. Leave me a marshmallow, please. (laughs) That's all I ask. We would also like to greet our lovely friends over at Awaken the North. If you are looking for an inclusive international heathen community that is very vibrant, lots of people, lots of discussion, lots of understanding, lots of talking, please drop into Awaken the North, give them a look. They are a lovely, lovely community of people and we are very happy to call them Friends of Frithcast. Before we get going with today's episode, we'd better introduce ourselves. I'm Suzanne Martin. I always forget that bit. What, that I'm Suzanne? No, I remember that most days. That's, I mean, that's good. <laughs> That's no, good. I no, I mean, I always, I always just like want to get on and just like charge on with whatever and 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 like get into it, and I always sort of, I I always kind of forget to go. Actually, who are you? Because it's like people might be yeah. sitting there going, "Who the hell are you?" Well, yeah, it's not unreasonable. It is not. So yeah, if you're not sure what on earth you're listening to, I'm Suzanne Martin. I am a heathen. With a head full of stuff. And um, I'm Kate, and I have, a, I have a head full of stuff, but it's mostly about Star Trek. Still good. But I, I live here, so I kind of just kind of, I kind of get involved. That's all right. <laughs> it's all good. The more the merrier around the virtual campfire. Welcome and welcome, thrice welcome to our lovely listeners all the way around the world. You are all very welcome to come and spend this episode with us. Before we get going, you might have realised from these opening readings that there is a theme connecting those two opening paragraphs. We are going to be talking about death, about hell as a figure and a place. Mm -hmm. If this is not your thing right now, that's okay. You can save this one for later. But look after your mental health going through this. You are not obliged to listen to these in any kind of order or indeed at all. No. (laughs) And, you know, if you do fancy listening to us and maybe not listening to this episode just yet, there's a whole back catalogue that you can listen to on Podbean for free right the way back to episode one so you can just chill out join us on one of those episodes come back to this one when you're ready Mm. so we are going to be talking about hell and we are going to be talking about them as a person and a place and you might be thinking my who the what now but we're going to go through these things depending on your culture Mm. uh, depending on your shall we say upbringing your theology, the primary image you might you may end up with one or one or one or two primary images of, if I if if we say the word hell, a couple of a couple of possible things will will come into your head. 
So of the two images that might pop up, especially if you are someone who has uh, been brought up in what might be termed, inverted commas, a, a Western society or um, uh, a, a Christian-influenced society, you may have in your mind an impression uh, not dissimilar to the quote from Milton mm. that uh, Suzanne, you started us off with. A lake of fire, a place of torture and torment, where you go if you haven't led a good enough, a godly enough life. Yeah, a place removed from God. And removed from God. But this is a heathen podcast. Yeah, mostly. We throw some geek and some queer in there as well. We do. Yeah. We do like to. So a lot of a lot of people who are following us may, on hearing the word hell, have an entirely different impression in their mind, image image in their mind. Mm. Would you like to yeah. So, hell, uh, it, they are, it's a word that is used to describe a person and a place, which is where it can get a little bit confusing. And additionally, the way modern heathens relate is different to how the sources, the original sources, talk about it. Okay. So it's all a bit of a mix, but hopefully we're going to go through the bare... The basics of it, because as you know, these podcasts are just to give you a little starter into a subject and they are ways forward. We throw some links into the description. You can then go and explore and find out if something on the podcast has caught your interest. You can always go dive into it a bit more. Mm. So hell, the person is uh, has parents. Okay. Loki and Angrabotha. You might see her name spelt with a D and you might see it spelt with a TH. Angraboda or Angrabotha. This is because of... This is because of reasons. Because of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> There's a letter that looks like a D where it's got like a curve in, in the top stem. Mm. And then there's a cross little cross letter which kind of indicates a TH, but it doesn't translate very well to... Roman letter keyboards. So some people spell it with a D yeah. and anglicize it, and some people spell it with the TH. Yeah. So <clears throat> it's related <clears throat> to the thorn, isn't it? Yes. It's... Yeah, it's kind of a that kind of sound. So you'll often like for example, um the 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 name of Od Odin mm. uh is sometimes pronounced with a TH instead of a D. Yes. Or a uh well a TH from like the 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 yeah, but uh, yeah. So so yeah. Same same principle. Yeah. Here with Angrabotha or Angraboda, mm -hmm. depending on how you see it written down. Same same person. Same thing. Just different, slightly different spelling because letters and yeah. keyboards. Um. So, hell's hell the person. Their parents are Loki and Angrabotha, mm -hmm. which means their siblings are Fenrir, the wolf, yeah. who is bound because the gods fear him so, and the Jormungand, who Thor might have gone fishing for an episode or so back. Yes, yeah. I do seem to recall. Yeah, we went on the one that got away. Yes. Yeah, so Hel's siblings 
and their parents are known, which makes them a half-sister to Vali and Navi. Okay. And step... I don't know, step-daughter to uh, Sigyn. Because Loki and Sigyn have sons. And Loki and Angrabotha have their three mon what they call their monstrous children. Yes, I mean we'll go into we'll go into this and 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 discuss the the the, the sort of fairness of that. Yeah. Um, because, I mean there 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 are certainly um, <clears throat> certainly the question in my mind is, you know, if you have the three that you've that, that have that we've named, so Jormungand, mm-hmm. the World Serpent. Yep. Yeah, is that a monster? Is yeah, probably well, counts as <clears throat> probably counts as monstrous. Monstrous monster. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Fenrir is the wolf so terrifying that they have to keep him bound up. Yeah. And if I'm not leaping ahead too far. By spoilers, sweetie. Spoilers for Ragnarok. <laughs> is he not the one that eats the sun? Yeah, he's. Uh, uh, well, let's just say it doesn't end so well. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, fine, <clears throat> monster. But hell. Yeah. So, yeah, as a person, she's not talked about an awful lot. Mm. There are brief mentions in the Poetic and the Prose Edda, which we know is written by Snorri Stilson, and the influences of Christianity are quite visible, but we don't know where the boundaries of that are. Yeah. What is left out, what is put in, what he might have amended to make it more palatable for the audience he intended it for. It's all a bit of a mish, but it's what we've got. Yeah. So she's also mentioned in the Helm's Kringler, and Eagle uh, Saga, but briefly, briefly, briefly. Um, she's listed as the Queen of the Realm of the Dead, and the Realm of the Dead also has the name Hell. You might see it written as Helheim. Okay. Do you remember we did an episode where we talked about the goddesses and how there's markedly less information about them than there is about the gods? Yes. Hell isn't I, in... I can't think why. I mean... I... <laughs> I don't, I don't remember whether we came to any conclusions on that, but... We didn't, apart from Bar, I think. <laughs> Hell isn't listed amongst the list of goddesses. Really? At all. Okay. She is queen of the realm of the dead, but she isn't in that list of goddesses. And there are a couple of lists out there, even the brief lists of names, and nothing else about them at all. And yet, I, as a, as a non-heathen, albeit... Yes, a heathen married to you, and yeah. you know I'm uh, uh, not a heathen married to you, a, a non-heathen married to you. You know, and 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 I think fairly familiar with uh, a lot of this, uh, a lot of this lore, and a lot of the 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 the, the, the names and and so forth. I would have, she would have been very very prominent if you'd said to me, give me give me a list of goddesses. Yeah, she'd have been pretty high up that list. She's, because to me, she's she's not on the lists of goddesses. She's mentioned in the law very briefly, yeah, as a queen of the dead, and she's described as half flesh-coloured and half corpse blue. 
Okay. We will often see modern artwork of her now, which is half a skull face. Yeah. Or a, a half a skull and half a face. Okay. So you don't... It, it tends to be that she's kind of lost the skin on half a face and that's how they show it yeah. now in the artwork. But in the original sources, she's described as half flesh-coloured and half corpse blue. Okay. Half pale. All right. And it doesn't mention whether that's like, whether it's one side and then the other side, or whether everything below the le- below the waist is corpse blue and everything above is flesh-coloured. Okay. Or whether it's this patchwork across all of her body that is just roughly half and half. Yeah. It doesn't ever sort of give us any description beyond that. But the modern depictions that I've seen are very much half. When you see her face, they're half skull and half yeah, she's, skinned face. I've always, I've, I've always seen her whenever, um, whenever anybody's, um, I've seen any artwork of her. It's always been the Harvey Two Face. Yeah. Sort of down the down the middle, and on this side it's a skull, and on this side it's it's a, a, a fully fleshed out face. Yes, yeah. So that's kind of one of the ways that the, there are there's a very distinctive modern interpretation of what she may look like mm. or what she has looked like when artists have been inspired to create work of her. If we go to Hell the Place, H E L, not H E double L. Yeah. Helheim, the place of the dead. Mm-hmm. It's surrounded by what's described as like a tall fence. So I can only assume that's like a, a, a palisade around a huge enclosure. Yeah. And it's got a gate on it that they call the corpse gate. It's a good name for, yeah. you know, given who's going through it. Well, you remember the corpse gate because do you remember Bootbeak? Bootbeak! Do you remember the episode we did with Boopy? Yes! The Ballad of Spipdag. And he went down to see his mum... Grower. Grower, who had been a very powerful seer slash witch slash something along those lines. Yes. And he went to see her and he met her at the corpse gate. Yes. He met her at at the barrier between the world of the living and the world of the dead. And she gave him all those charms... All the nine magical charms that went nowhere and did nothing. And he never used a single one of them. <laughs> he didn't. He was like, what? <laughs> yes. I but remember. yeah, so it's yeah. got a gate in it called the court. The, the word for the gate, the name of the gates literally means corpse gate. Yeah. And also there at the entrance is Garm. You might see his name G-A-R-M or G-A-M, G-A-R-M-R. Garmer. Okay. The Hellhound. Or, or the massive dog who is Hell's dog. Okay. And he, every time there is a new arrival, he barks to signal the new arrival okay. arriving at the gates. How many heads has he got? Just one. Just wondered. Yeah. And for those of you that play games like Guild Wars 2, you might recognise a certain Garm in the company of Air. Oh, yeah. I'd forgotten about that, yeah. As as her very good boy. He is a good boy. Yeah, very good doggo. He's the goodest boy. He is the goodest boy. 
So yeah, you might recognise Garm from there. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But Garm, in this description of the place, is the hellhound that sits at the gates and barks when anybody comes to journey through. Okay. And Hell's Hall, because she has a hall in her realm, she is a, a queen of that space, so she has a hall which kind of mirrors the halls that are in Asgard where every god has a almost a little mini realm and a, a hall of their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apart from her father. Does he not have... No. We've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I seem to recall. Yeah. I, it just it slipped my mind for a second, yeah, because I I thought he I thought he had a place. Well, in Hell's Hall, like her gate, the Corpse Gate, in her hall, things have names connected to human misfortunes. Okay. So the dining table, her dining table is called Hunger. Oh. Her knives are called Starvation, the ones that you eat with, because. Oh. You can't. And her bed in her bedroom is called the sick bed. I'm... Her bed has a name. I'm getting the impression this is not a pleasant place to be. Well, yeah, it is and it isn't. Her nature is described as quite cruel and quite dour. Mm. Um, and it's... She's only mentioned in all of the the sort of the stories and the myth cycle that we have the only kind of the the most prominent mention she gets is in the death of baldur okay and the death of baldur is a story it's about two-thirds of the way through the myth cycle and it kind of signals a big point of change mm. up to that point hell's father has been quite playful quite mischievous maybe stepped over the line once or twice generally gets reprimanded for it and goes, yep, that's fair, I'll take it. Yeah. When the death of Baldur happens, that relationship sours and it changes. And it starts moving towards the Ragnarok, which is about, it is right at the end, mm. but it's about two-thirds of the way through. Okay. So the death of Baldur is two-thirds of the way through the myth cycle, give or take-ish. Mm. And... Hell is already queen of the underworld by this point, queen of the dead. Because Baldur, son of Odin, son of Frigga, dies. Mm. And, of course, the gods naturally want him back. How do you mourn a god? Where does a god go when they die? Oh, well, the answer in this point is to Hell's realm. Mm. So Hermod, from amongst all of the gods, is chosen to ride the road to hell and to go into hell's realm, you know, offer their greetings and ask for Baldur to be returned to the land of the living. Hmm. And Hermod gets to the corpse gate and as a living person is allowed inside the corpse gate is allowed into Hell's Hall and allowed to go and speak to her while she sits on her throne. Brings his greetings and says, you know, can we have Baldur back, please? Mm. If it's all the same. And Hell kind of says, well, the only way you're going to get him back is if every living thing weeps for him. Then I'll give him back. 
you know, I'll, I'll give him that. Just mm. you need to fulfil this condition. Yeah, and it's it's not like it's a complicated condition or anything. It's not. It's not a whole kind of go get the sword and get the rooster feathers and do the dogs no, and none no, of that. No, it's no. just go back out and make everything, every everything to mourn for Balder. single living thing on Midgard. Yep, has to mourn for Balder. Baldo. Yeah. It's simple. And so he goes back and gives those instructions to Frigga and Frigga they they all go out, you know, they go out into the world and everything mourns for Balder. Everything sheds tears apart from one. And so Hell is informed of this and she says, Well, you can't have him back. Hmm. So Balder stays as an honoured guest in Hell's Hall. And that is the pretty much the only story we've got in the myth cycle that has her in it. So by that point, by two thirds of the way through, she's already queen of those of that realm, of that space. Mm. There's a whole lot of, you know, warning academia ahead. There's a whole lot of... <laughs> discussion about whether she's actually part of the original myths or whether she's a late literary addition because Snorri and Christianity and the realm of the dead. But the same question, if I recall correctly, hangs over Baldur himself. It does. Because, again, Snorri. Yeah. Baldur has... Some inconsistencies, which I mean, we've talked about it before in previous episodes, I know, but mm. has some inconsistencies that that have led people to wonder whether he's a kind of a a sort of proto-Christian insert, mm. um, rather than one of the original. Yeah, um, so it's it's all getting a bit hot mess. Yeah, yeah. So some scholars, um, Hilda Ellis, who wrote a book called The Road to Hell. A little thin book, if you can get hold of it, that talks about the Norse and their understanding of the underworld and the what happens after they died. Very good. Mm. She's one of the scholars that says, yeah, this, this might be a late literary edition and not something original. Right. She proposes that. But what we have now is modern heathens who relate to her in a very deep and profound way. Mm modern heathens who might feel called to her service because they work in hospice care. Yeah. Because they work caring for people, uh, you know, palliative care. Mm. Because they work for, you know, cancer care charities. They work for places where they are around death and dying. Yeah. So they may feel very strongly called to serve hell and to help be a part of that journey for that person. One of the most important points, I mean, I'm, I've, I've sort of wandered around various different pagan sort of pathways and things in, in over the years. And there are various places where similar arguments, well, arguments, and, you know, similar uncertainties will crop up. And I've always taken the view that, you know, the, the, the gods are what you see and where you see them. 
Yes. I'm thinking particularly of the um, the dispute over Ostara. Yes, yeah. Bede's mention of Ostara. The, 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 the venerable Bede. Kind um, of. <laughs> the, the, ven- the venomous, the venom- venomous bead. The venomous bead. Um, yeah, talk, talks about Ostra and is, as far as I'm aware, the only source. Yes. For this story of this springtime goddess, who so... a lot of modern pagans have have adopted, and there is this, and some people will say, well, yeah, yeah but you know, there's there's not really. Uh, you know, there's there's no sort sort of source beyond bead. Bead made her up, and it's like that. It's not how it works. Not to me, anyway. Yeah. The the question is, you know, what is the belief that you have, and the 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 perception that you have, mm. and and I would I would extend that to 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 any of any of the gods. Yeah, and I think well with. Ostara, we tend to. I tend to find that when I talk to American heathens, that she's very much included. But when I talk to UK heathens, she tends not to be as much. Yeah. So there tends to be this very, almost distinctive shift in in heathenism, and I'm kind of reminded of the fact that yeah, we can't tell you how to heathen. No. We're all different in our understandings, in our experiences of our faith, and when we come together and start discussing that. But one of the things that is universal is that we all know how this ends. Yeah. And we all know that there is a path and a road that we are going to walk mm. at some point. Mm. Eh, whenever. <laughs> and it's it's very much, I think, ways of honouring hell now are things like remembering somebody who's walked that path to hell's road and tell a story about them to somebody else. Yeah. Because the Havamal tells us while their name is remembered, they're not forgotten. Mm. If you are financially able to donate to a hospice or palliative care place Mm. in hell's name. Yeah. To be able to, you know, sit with that, that thought of some of your own ancestors mm. and share a drink with them. And yeah, without, you know, to, to hold that kind of balance between it being sad and having those happy memories of those people. Mm. So I think hell, despite the fact that there isn't a lot in the law and the only substantial reference we have is that one from almost a that little tiny reference in the death of Baldo I think hell I've seen her referred to as you know queen of the dead as mother hell Mm -hmm. as somebody who cares for and keeps those people safe yeah as somebody who at the Ragnarok will raise the army of the dead and sail on the ship of nails with her father okay um, as somebody who keeps that space for the dead. Mm. And it's not necessarily, it's the space for those who die of illness, for those who die of old age, for those who aren't chosen to go somewhere else. Yeah. You might end up going to hell's realm. And this is where it becomes interesting for, I mean, well, I say this is where it becomes. 
it, the whole thing is interesting to me, but it's where it intersects um, a the the the. I've never had a particularly strong um, literal belief in 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 any special any particular afterlife, um, but uh, in Roman um, in Greco Greco Roman tradition, there are various layers of afterlife that you can go to various realms mm, that, are, that, yes. that you can you can you can go to depending on depending on how you've how you've lived and whose favor you've won and 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 various other factors and you'll arrive on the shores of Erebus which is a a, a sort of a very um very bleak sort of uh, sort of place it's kind of the, the like the phantom zone from superman Mm-hmm. sort of uh, sort of deal you've got the 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 rivers um the, the rivers Lethe? the the river Lethe, which is yeah. <clears throat> uh where you can drink from the waters and forget everything about your previous earthly existence the river acheron and the Styx is the famous one that you have to you have to cross um courtesy of Charon the ferryman and his pimp my ride and his pimp my ride <laughs> Once you're once you're over there though, and you're actually into the underworld proper, into Hades, if you want to put it and that way. Proserpina. Um, Proserpina is is the companion of Hades. Yes, mm. she she remains under in in the underworld for half of the year, mm. uh, and in the overworld for the other half of the year. She's known as um, Persephone in mm. Greek. There are nominally three places that you're likely to end up mm. um so there are the f- uh, the fields of elysium and elysium is uh where you go if you're a particularly if you've died a particularly noble death um if you're if you're a heroic warrior or um you've you've otherwise performed exceptionally well you might end up in Elysium, which is, you know, bountiful place of much fruit and honey and and just just loveliness. All the good things. All the good, all the good abundance of loveliness. Um, there is Tartarus, which is a place you do not want to go. Um, Tartarus is essentially a prison for the Titans. Um, and it's where the, the the Titan gods are are held. So um, that's right at the beginning, isn't it? When they're banished and and locked away. Yeah, when the yeah. Olympian gods had the there there was a battle called the Titanomachy, and uh, they the Olympian gods came out on top and they imprisoned the Titans in Tartarus, and it's and it's become loosely somewhere you go if you've not been very good. Mm. Um, if you're a, if if you need punishing, uh, it's probably the closest. Again, it's a place that's been, you know, probably um, quite heavily influenced by um, Christian ideas of of uh, an, an infernal hell mm. realm. Or there's the place in the middle, and the place in the middle is is called the Asphodel Meadows, and it's very much where you go if you're i'm hoping assuming i managed to 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 escape tartarus um <laughs> and i haven't been that bad um 
the Asphodel Meadows is where I would probably expect to go. Mm. It's where you go if you're very average. You've not really done much. You've not achieved anything very much. But you're all right. But <clears throat> you're okay. You're not. You're not. You know. You're not evil. Mm. Um, but you're not heroic and noble either. So most people are ending up there then, basically. Yeah, and yeah. Fa- depending on who you ask, it's a it's a it's a sort of a, a, a shadowy place of of, of, of sort of shades and greyness or it's some people just have it that it is literally a place of 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 meadows and it's 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 like you know the countryside on earth Mm. it's 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 just not a bad place it's not good it's you know you'd you'd probably have to you know work for a living to 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 grow your crops and all that kind of thing but it's it's not a bad place Mm. and It'll do. It'll do. It'll do. <laughs> and the reason I'm I'm going through all this is because I'm saying for, because for whatever reason, this is the this is the image I've always had in my head of Helheim. Mm. That it's not okay. It's not Valhalla. No. <clears throat> it's not the place you go when you're a ferocious warrior and you're chosen of Odin, mm. assuming Freya. Uh, Freya. Yeah. Freya doesn't get get you get to you first, mm-hmm. you know. So it's not Valhalla. It's not sort of you know fighting constantly day and night and 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 carousing and feasting in the halls and doing all that hero stuff. But it's and it's not. But it's not any of these other specific realms either. It's mm. just, it's just a place where you can go and rest. Yeah, and, and just be. And to be honest. The way I've always imagined it in my head, it's never felt like that bad a kind of place. It's it's almost like, yeah, I'd take that. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit worried about the table being called hunger and the knives being called starvation, but <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's a little bit a little bit of a concern there. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> but but otherwise, yeah, yeah. So it's very different from. The Christian concept of hell, especially when Milton and Dante get hold of it, like 16th century, they they really go to town in describing this as a a horrible place removed from God, and and this hell and Helheim is not it's not kind of connected to that concept, and sometimes when heathens have come from a Christian background and they're starting to feel that curious sort of pull and call towards Norse gods and they kind of get here and go okay where's the holy book we haven't got one Mm. have we got temples no we don't have those have we got a common prayer book no no we do hymns right we totally do hymns no we don't do those wait how how do I yeah we can't tell you how to heathen (laughs) um but you've got a place called hell well yes technically but it's not like H-E-L-L. It's the other kind. And they go, wait a second. So sometimes there's that mental adjustment that we have to make as heathens, especially if we're coming from that Judeo-Christian upbringing or background or that experience of that faith and then coming into yeah. heathen faith. And is it fair to, because I mean, the, the obvious question would be, why are the words the same? Because Christianity didn't 
I mean, Christianity came out of Aramaic, yeah, Hebrew, yeah, Latin, Greek, yeah, <laughs> all mixed of stuff. Um, I mean, and doubtless various other languages and dialects and things as well. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be too too simple simple about it, but none of those the word hell didn't come from any of those. No, the hell seems to have come from Norse. The Norse H E L is the same in kind of the old I think it's like old High German, old English. It means covered or underneath or unseen. So like underground. Okay. So hidden, mm. somewhere hidden, and her realm, Helheim, is described as under, underneath, and to the north. All right. And there are that kind of ride that Hermod does to her realm. That's depicted. It's in very, very few places. We've got very few historical depictions of hell. Yeah. Norse hell. Either the person or the place. Yeah. But there are two, um, if I say the word bractates, do you know what that is? That's trousers, isn't it? No, brachi is trousers. Brachi is trousers. I knew that. I knew you knew that. Okay. So bractate can be a coin or a medallion that's been, a coin that's been turned into a medallion or a wearable piece. All oh, right. Okay. <clears throat> and there are a, 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 an excitingly large number of two Bractates. Um, IK14 and IK24, don't worry, we'll put the references in the description. Okay. That depict a rider riding on a horse down a slope and at the at the on going where they're going towards, there's a woman holding a staff or a scepter. Okay. So a load of people have looked at that and gone, oh, that's Hermod riding underground, and that's hell that image of the woman with a staff or a scepter that he's riding towards, he's on that he's on that long road. He's on the Hell's Road. Okay. And he's on that right. We've got two images. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> and do we have I mean, is there anything else about her apart from the staff? No. And is 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 Hell in in any of the 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 mentions that in which she's mentioned Does she carry a does staff? Does she carry a, a staff? Not that I know of. We've only got that one where she's a ruler. So if she's carrying a scepter, it brings to mind the scepter that they identified at Sutton Hoo. Okay. It's like a stone, a scepter with a, a stag on the top of it. It's this monstrous, gloriously big, monstrous, heavy, chunky looking thing. Yeah. And that's the only thing I can think of is that they, they're not, wearing crowns in this image there they have to show something so it's is it a distaff mm. is it a scepter is it a a staff and we've got some parallels in like the Cirrus's graves where they have a staff a working staff in there it does it does also raise the question because you mentioned with the stag mm. right there is also the question of, is Hell ever portrayed with massive grey antlers that couldn't possibly get through a door? Not that I know of. I just wondered. 
revolving doors are going to be a problem. I'm not complaining. I know, because it's Kate Blanchett. Because it's Kate Blanchett, but I'm just wondering whether, you know, <laughs> there was any, absolutely any basis for that no. whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, if she falls over, how on earth is she going to get up again? She gets stuck in the ground with those things on. I just don't know. She takes them off at night. Where on earth are you going to store them? You need a whole <laughs> wardrobe just for them. It. Yeah, it does. It does interest me the um, the obvious association with, or the, the 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 confusion, shall we say, that naturally arises with the idea of hell, Hellheim, Hellheim, mm-hmm. the realm that she rules, rules, yeah, and the fact that when gods die, that's that's where they go. That's where they go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that presumably is, I mean, we know that from the story of the Ragnarok, mm. which is one that we, we tend not to touch too much on in um, our story time episodes. I don't think we have done yet, have we? Because it's <laughs> grim, grim as balls. balls. <laughs> um and <laughs> grim it is it and i i i need i need happy not grim <laughs> i need happy happy bunnies and 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 rainbows and and flowers and things in in life not grim as balls talking of death it does raise the question for me at least of we know that come the ragnarok mm. we know exactly how that battle is going to go yeah, because the, the the very precise details of it. The myth cycle tells us so. For the loud chaos of a battlefield, we know specific details of the Ragnarok. Yeah, we know exactly who is going to shiv who. Yeah, we and know how many steps they're going to take before they fall over, and all of that. It's yeah, the I maddest mean, thing. That's 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 got a, that's got a lot of. Um, that was. I'm. I'm. I'm sorry, and I promise I intend no disrespect at all, but that does remind me a lot of Kill Bill, and the five point palm exploding heart technique, <laughs> where you can you can strike somebody in a certain way and they'll get up and like walk five paces and then just fall over. Mm. Anyway, enough of Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> the yeah, but the the, the question is the question that immediately comes up in my mind is we know that everybody dies at Ragnarok pretty much more or less you have like two survivors don't you so do they all go down to Helheim yeah Mm -hmm. that's my question that would be my question it's an interesting concept and it does there is no answer to it in law but if you want to read uh, an author's understanding and interpretation of those events I can recommend, heartily recommend, a, a a modern fiction piece called The Goddess of Nothing at All by Cat Rector. Which I absolutely was not setting up a plug for. <sighs> I was. It's freaking amazing. <laughs> and that and the, the sequel epilogue for Lost Gods deals with some of these questions and does feature Helen a very 
different interpretation of her. Mm, mm. Uh, she's not the absolute main character, but she is in those stories. She's prominent. She is prominent, and the way that she is portrayed is a really fresh interpretation for me. Yeah. A very fresh interpretation as a modern human. I'm then looking to the experiences of fellow heathens. I'm looking to discuss with them what their experiences have been, what kind of knowledge they've got to help formulate my own experiences. Mm. And those two books really got me thinking about some of this stuff. Yeah. So if you happen to have some pennies and you want to have a really good look at these, I'd ask you to consider those two. And yeah, lovely listeners, I'd like to end with a prayer. Okay. So this is a, a prayer from uh, the God's Own County Heathen Prayer Book. And it's a modern prayer book by Dan Coltus and the Heathens of Yorkshire. Again, we'll put a link in the description. It has got lots and lots of different prayers in to all sorts, all manner of the Norse gods and a few of the Anglo-Saxon names as well. And also some rituals, sample rituals, blots at the end. And I think there's a wee song in there as well, which somehow seems very familiar. So I would like to read one of the prayers from that book that is dedicated to hell. And it's called A Traveller Approaches. Hail to the mistress of Helheim, Loki's daughter. Hostess of the dead, we call to you. A traveller approaches. They are tired. They are weary. Their feet are sore. They have travelled for many miles and many days on a journey few look forward to making. They have toiled. They have laughed. They have loved. They have cried. They have suffered. They have cared, they have lived, they have died. They have crossed the Gyor Bridge, and now they stand before Elyuthnir, before you, seeking your hospitality. Please, grant them sanctuary, that they might be reunited with your ancestors, amongst their loving kin, that they might rest now free of life's trials and tribulations, with food and drink and company, that one day we too shall join them to share stories by the hearth fire. Hail, hell. Lovely listeners, this is the end of today's episode. So we would like to thank you all for joining us today and sharing this time with us. If you would like to find us online, you can find me. I'm Suzanne Martin. I'm on Facebook under that name or I'm on Twitter at Geetha in Jeans. And if you want to find me, um, I'm on Facebook as uh, Kate Colwyn. And you can also find us on our Facebook group page, uh, which you can uh, locate by going to Facebook and typing in Frithcast Pod, and that will also lead you to our Discord server, which you are more than welcome to come and join us and chat with us there. Around there, the 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 
the virtual virtual campfire yes where we have a death cafe channel so if this is a topic that you would like to maybe discuss with other heathens or talk about your kind of your own experiences maybe serving or interacting with the goddess hell you're very welcome to come into that channel have a chat with whoever's around leave some resources come and sit around the virtual campfire and share a drink it's all good lovely listeners we will talk to you all next time for episode 130 130 Woo. wow <laughs> see you then bye bye bye